This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, it's a swell turnout for a January of 2021. It's great to see everybody that's here. Wonderful turnout today, and we appreciate that. Um, so what's going on is we're on part three of a series called Like Stone. And if Maylee could go ahead and put that up there, Like Stone. And um, and really what it all boils down to is this, is the theme verse that God gave us for 2021. Uh, every year God gives us a verse. And really, uh, I mean, last year it was Proverbs 11, 11, and it told us to speak right words over the city we lived in. And we did that, and we continue to do that. And we've seen the hand of God in a lot of ways, even on our local community. But this year, the verse, uh, you know, I was out here's I was out hiking in the woods in Big Bear, and, uh, I think it was November 19th, just hiking and, and praying. And, and that's, you know, some people, everybody has a different way where you kind of, you know, are uh, you get in your zone and you hear from God best. And, and, and for me, it's being out in the woods. You know, I need to be away from people sometimes. I love you guys. It's not that I don't love you, okay? But sometimes I need to wait from you. No, I'm just kidding. But Isaiah 50, verse 7, a verse I've known my my whole life, really, well, for a long time anyway, came to me. Let's put that on the screen. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. And you need to know this verse. You will get this in your heart because this is a verse for us in the day and age in which we live. This is you. If this isn't your attitude, I don't know how well you'll do in 2021, to be honest, or beyond if we're here that long. I don't know how well you're do, you'll do in life if this isn't your your passion, if this isn't something you can relate to as a Christian. Isaiah 50 and verse 7, it says, because the sovereign Lord helps me. Well, praise God, the sovereign Lord does help us. Amen. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. And so I am just exhorting you with everything that I have right now, especially this line right here. I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. You have got to be determined that you are going to follow Jesus no matter how hard it gets. No matter how easy it is. And sometimes there's more danger in things being easy than there is in things being hard. Because when things are hard, people all of a sudden run to Jesus. And when things are easy, like, I don't feel any pressure right now. I think I could just, you know, back off a little bit. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. But listen, we've been comfortable. We've been pretty, uh, it's been pretty easy, honestly, for a very long time for Christians in America and in a lot of other places. And according to scripture, man, it may not always be that easy. You may start to feel the heat a little bit as we get closer and closer to Jesus coming back. But the good news is, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I am determining to set my face like a stone, determined to do his will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. I will have no regrets when I die that I stuck with Jesus all the way to the end. I will never regret it. I don't doubt it one bit that when I'm in heaven, I'm not going to look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have taken Jesus so seriously. I could have relaxed a whole lot more than I did. Nobody will speak those words in heaven, but there's a whole lot of people that when it all comes down to the end, they're going to say, my God, I wish I would have taken that more serious. Yeah, I, I died with a whole lot of money. But my family is a wreck. I died with a high. I accomplished everything on my bucket list. But here I am and I'm not in heaven. 
What a scary thought to think of. And so my focus today, what I've been doing is breaking down this one verse into different segments each week. And so the first week we looked at how the sovereign Lord helps us. The last week we looked at not being disgraced. And then this week I'm going to look at this next line. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do his will. All right. And, and, and this is the main heart of everything that I've been really looking at for this whole series. But there's some stuff I got to show you today. And so let's pray. And then we're going to get into the word of God. And I believe if you'll open your heart, God will speak to you. Now, if you just stay closed up, you're not going to hear much today. But if you'll open up, God will change your life from his word. Not because I got something to say, but because God's got something to say. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that we are gathered in your name, God. We didn't come to gather just because it's something to do or or because it's a, a fun thing to get out of the house. We gathered in your name today, God, because we need you and we know that we need you, God. We cannot do this alone. We don't have the strength to do this alone, but we know that we need you. And I pray today that you will speak to us. You'll show us things from your word that we need to see. And God, if we've been wrong on something, hey, correct us. We don't want to be wrong anymore. We want to be right with you. And so, Lord, have your way through your word today in the name of Jesus. Everybody said. And so three things today regarding setting your face like a stone. Now, the first thing is that now now this may sound pretty forward, but this is just straight up from the word of God. Number one, if you're going to set your face like stone, if you're going to thrive as a Christian in 2021 and beyond, number one, don't be a coward. Now, that's not a word that I typically use. And I realize for some people, it's like, man, I don't know. You can't say that to people. I'm not saying that to people. Revelation is saying that to people. And I'm going to show you a verse here. Uh, Let's flip over to Revelation chapter 21 if we can. Revelation 21, but that's not a word I say. Now, I, I, I watch a lot of uh, old Western shows, a lot of old cowboy shows. Hey, do you like John Wayne? Come on, you like. <laughs> all right, well, you ought to like John Wayne. If you're an American, you love John Wayne. And I, and I watch all, you know, all these old shows. But there's one thing that if you just really wanted to get at somebody, you'd call him a coward. You know, he's a yellow belly coward. He's a, you know, and, and I mean, nobody wants to be called a coward, but. Technically, that's a Bible word. That's not just some word that people throw out there. And, and I don't feel like calling somebody a coward, but if the shoe fits, then I guess you got to wear it. So Revelation 21, and we're going to look here at verse 8. And I'm just saying today's going to be a very straightforward uh, word from God. My main thing that I like to do in life is encourage people. I like to make people feel really good. And because uh, I like that, I like to I like to be encouraged to feel really good. And then there's also a time where you just got to be flat out with people and tell them the straight up truth that, hey, you better get serious about God because you, things are things are changing. So Revelation 21, verse eight in the New Living Translation, it says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Well, that sounds like a wonderful, encouraging verse, doesn't it? Do you want to get that on your refrigerator? Do you want to get that stitched on a T-shirt? No, that doesn't sound that exciting. But look at this. It tells us a whole list of people right here at the very end of the Bible that, hey, these people, they are not going to be getting into heaven. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Now, that's an interesting list of people right there. 
mean, look at that. Look at that. That's an interesting list of people. I totally understand liars not going to heaven. I understand murderers not going, idol worshipers, people that practice witchcraft. All those, all the people on that list, it's like, yeah, duh. I mean, that's not the type of people that are going to heaven. But apparently, at the very top of the list that God doesn't want to be around in heaven is cowards. That is, I mean, that's, that just like shakes me a little bit. He puts cowards on the same list as murderers, liars, idolaters, people that practice witchcraft and talking to demons. He says cowards are at the very top of that list of people that will have their place in the lake of fire. And, I mean, that's just nearly mind-blowing to me that God feels that strongly about somebody that is a coward. Now, Listen, I'm not a conflict-oriented person. Most of you that know me, I don't enjoy conflict. I take the, you know, I, I would rather just, you know, get along with everybody. And so that's just kind of my personality. And then I realize there's some people that are very conflict-oriented. And, and, you know, praise God, I guess there may be a place where you get some things done. That's good. But in all honesty, this is not the time at this day and hour that we can run away from conflict. Because it's coming at you. And so you don't have to go around looking for a fight. You don't have to go around looking for the devil. He he knows where you're at, all right? I'm not trying to be scary or anything like that. But this is not the day and age where we can afford to run away from difficulty. And I'm just going to say this. Ignoring difficulty makes you a coward. Now, that sounds hard. But ignoring difficulty makes you a coward. You know, I, I don't know where I want to go with all this, but I'll just speak from the heart here. So, uh, you know, I, 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 a guy that I look up to was a pastor in Germany back in the 1930s and 40s. His last name was Bonhoeffer. And, 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 and it was crazy because at that point, they got the Nazi Party, and I mean, I'm going way out there. This is totally off note, so just give me a minute, okay? But the Nazi Party had convinced the Protestant church to basically back what they were doing. And, and you know, we'll, we'll give you guys this free stuff. We'll, we'll make sure that you get your cut of this money, and, and you'll get these handouts. And, and we'll, But there was a fraction of them that said, you know what? No, uh, we know what's going on underneath the surface here. These guys are not on our side, despite what they're saying. And this Bonhoeffer guy was one of them, and he had the guts to stand up. He paid the price. They got him. But listen, he had the guts to stand up and say, I don't care what anybody says. That's straight up wrong. I don't care how much money they give me. I don't care what handouts and what free stuff they want to give me. That's straight up wrong. And he stood up for what he believed in. But what I like about that is he did not ignore the difficulty. He said something about it. And according to the very end of the Bible, Revelation 21, go ahead and look. There's not that many more chapters after that, is there? (laughs) Listen, right at the end, he said, cowards don't have a place in heaven. Their place, their fate is in the lake of fire that burns the sulfur. That is the second death. Because you see somebody that's not a Christian, they got to die twice. Like, what does that mean? Well, they died the physical death once, but then... Going to hell is the second death, and that's the worst thing ever. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, you die once, but then you live forever. And that's why Paul said, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The grave doesn't have victory over the born-again child of God anymore. Death can't beat us 
because Jesus already beat it. I'm going to heaven someday, and I can't wait to get there. I'm excited about it. But right here, it tells us clearly that this hell is the second death. And if you ignore difficulty, you just pretend that it flat out doesn't exist. That's the easy way. But that makes you a coward. And you've got to learn to stand up for something in your life. I heard of this story about this lady that was, uh, she was, she was telling her, her group of friends, like, man, last night a burglar got into the house. And I mean, I, I woke up, I didn't know what to do, but I looked down and there was a pair, there, there was a pair of man's legs sticking out from underneath my bed. And her friend said, oh my gosh, the burglar's legs? She said, no, it was my husband's. He heard the burglar too. Listen, <laughs> men, don't let that be you. Listen. You can't ignore difficulty. You can't run from it, right? Don't be a coward. We've got to stand up. And on on a more serious note, I love the quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. He said, cowardice, cowards ask the question, is it safe? Convenience asks the question, is it sensible? Vanity, this is our day and age, asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor convenient, nor popular, but one must take it because it is right. Well, what's the right position? Whatever the Bible says is right is the right position. Nothing else. I don't care, man, if it's popular or not. If the Bible says it, it's the truth. And it's the right position, whether anybody else agrees with it or not, that's fine. Not everybody agreed with Jesus when he walked the earth. Amen? And certainly not everybody agrees with Jesus right now. But that doesn't matter. I'm going to agree with Jesus because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They all have to change their mind every week and update their, their list of what's right and what's wrong. And Jesus hasn't had to do that because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think it would do you a whole lot of good to say that with me this morning. Say this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He is not changing, and I'm not changing from him either. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, I, you know, just in, 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 uh, in light of being totally as honest as we can be, If you're going to live a legit Christian life right now, you're going to feel some pressure from the world around you. You know, I, I, you know, I hear, I I don't, you can probably tell, maybe you can or can't, I don't really work out. You know, I just want to let that out. I don't really, but I hear from people that do work out that, you know, there's a certain level of pain that comes with that, right? And if you're a runner, I'm not that either, but if you're a runner, you know, if you don't eventually feel some sort of pain, you must not be doing something, right? And I'm telling you, in the day and age in which we live, if you don't ever feel any heat or any pressure or any pain from the world around you, you're, you must not be doing it right. Because Paul told us in Second Timothy that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And, it, and if your faith and if, if, if your Christian walk and your life and your salvation is such a quiet, private little thing that nobody even knows about it, you're doing something wrong there. I'm not out looking for trouble. I'm not out looking for fights. But if nobody ever, I mean, if nobody ever has any, oh, he's, you go to church? My gosh, I have no idea. That's not a good thing. I had a friend, one of my friends told me 
Uh, this is what he said. He's talking to some of his, his co-workers. He's like, uh, guys, I can't make it out to the thing tonight. Um, I've got church. And, and they're like, you go to church? You? That's not good. <laughs> that, if, he, if somebody nearly passes out of the fact that you go to church, you're doing something wrong. They should just assume, by the, even if you've never told them, they should just assume by the godly life you live, oh, that he, yeah, he probably he must be a church goer. They should just know. Actions speak louder than words do anyway, but if you're living a legit, the right way Christian life, you are going to start feeling some pressure from the world around you. The only way you will not feel any pressure from the world around you in 2021 is if you're a coward and you hide your beliefs. Now, that's heavy and that's hard, and that's not what I usually like to say, but it's the Word of God. Listen, the only way that you're just going to float through this thing and not feel any pressure from the outside world, from the devil, from devilish people, is if you're a coward and you don't let anybody know about Jesus in your life. And that's an even more dangerous spot to be in. Because if you stand up for the Bible right now, you're going to be called intolerant. I've been called that. You'll be called extreme. I've been called that. You're going to be called old-fashioned, and I've been called that. And this is on the nicer side of things they'll call you. I don't want to go into the mean things they'll call you. That's the nice list. But you're going to be taking some heat for the things that you believe and the things that you stand for if you really stand for something in 2021. Now, what am I saying with all that? That's why right now, at the beginning of the year, you're going to have to start making some decisions. Am I going to stand up? Am I going to let my face be set as a stone determined to do his will? Or would I rather just take the easy way out and uh, make everybody around me happy and not stand for anything? That is an option. I would caution you that it's the wrong option because cowards have, you know, their ultimate destination according to Revelation 21.8. But this is not the time to be playing games. And so I read a quote. You can put this on the screen. A man that runs from his fear will find that he has only taken a shortcut to meet it. A man that runs from his fear will find that he has only taken a shortcut to meet it. And so what am I saying today? I'm saying that you are going to have to decide, am I determined to follow God no matter how easy or how difficult it gets? There's some decisions that Christians have to make. And 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 and, and, and I'm just cautioning, I, I believe with all of my heart, that we've got to be transparent and be real with people right now and not just say, well, you know, just, you know, your faith is a Sunday thing, if if, if you do that. Your faith is a Sunday thing. It's It better be a seven days a week thing with in this world right now. It better be seven. There's not a, there, you can't afford an off day. You've got to stick with Jesus every single day. And we, no matter what comes against us, don't be a coward. Number two, don't be a quitter. Number two, don't be a quitter. Now, I believe everybody in here has had the opportunity to quit at one point or another. Show of hands, have you ever had the chance to quit at something? All right. I mean, I've had, I've had options. I, there's a lot of things I could have quit at. And, and, you know, there's probably been some things that I have quit at that I shouldn't have. But there's no place for that in your faith. And in your Christian walk, in the time that we live in, we cannot afford to have quitters. 
And, you know, I've noticed a lot of times that the most successful people that we see, a lot of times people don't like successful people. Yeah, he, he's only there. He probably had everything handed to him. He probably just, you know, he probably just, he didn't, it was just all handed to him on a silver. And there's probably some people like that. But the majority of people that I see that are successful, they passed up chance after chance after chance to quit, but they didn't. Then they make it to the top and everybody gets mad at them. And that's fine, you know, whatever for that. But don't be a quitter. You cannot afford to quit right now. And it's one thing to talk about being a quitter in, in the business world or the sports world or the political world. Man, that stuff's junk. That's nonsense. What I'm talking about is don't be a spiritual quitter. You know, I mean, I don't want to be a quitter in business or anything else, but listen to me. There's a lot of spiritual quitters. Well, it's, it's getting hard. I, uh, they, they, they preach some. My pastor called called me a coward today, so I'm not going to go to church there anymore. I didn't call you a coward. I just read what the, what the Bible said, okay? That wasn't, that wasn't personal, but if, if it fits, if it hits close to home. But your pastor did not call you a coward. I'm not going there anymore, man, or I don't, I'm, I'm tuning them out. And, and there's people that they spiritually quit all the time. And, man, maybe you used to get away with that. You're not going to get away with that forever. You have got to make your commitment to Jesus and say, my face is set as a stone determined to do his will. I'm not turning back this time. I will not quit. And so I want to look for a minute today at one of my all-time heroes, the Apostle Paul. He's one of the most important people in all the Bible, and for good reason. And we all know who he is, though, because he didn't quit. He had chance after chance after chance to quit. And people thought he was crazy. There's people like, man, this obviously, this preaching thing isn't your thing. You need, you need to go find something else to do because you keep getting beat up. You keep getting, you know, you keep getting thrown out of places. This obviously isn't your thing. And I've determined that I can't always base whether I'm in the will of God or not by how nice everybody else treats me. Well, if God really gave me this job, they'd have been nice to me. Nobody would have said that to me, and nobody would have done this to me, and they would have welcomed me, and they would have given me dental coverage by now. So this must not have been the word of God or the will of God. Listen, I, I don't, I don't base the will of God on how well people treat me, because if that's the case, Paul was never in the will of God. People are mean to him everywhere, and if that's the case, then Jesus wasn't in the will of God because people were chasing him down for years trying to kill him i base whether i'm in the will of god or not by the word of god and what the holy spirit speaks to my heart but me being in the will of god has nothing to do with how you treat me acts chapter 14 let's look at acts chapter 14 here's an incredible bible story that maybe you've read maybe you haven't it's not one of the more famous stories believe it or not but acts chapter 14 and we're going to see the determination of paul and why God used him so much, but I can tell you this much. I don't like, I don't, I don't like to fellowship. I don't like to hang out with. I don't like to surround myself with quitters. I like to be around people that stick with it, whether it's difficult or whether it's easy, whether times are good or times are bad. I like people that aren't quitters. And so Acts chapter 14, we're going to look at verses 19 through 20. And this is uh, uh, Paul with uh, his first ministry partner, a guy named Barnabas, Acts chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 20. 
And so they've been preaching, and of course it made some people mad, just like it usually does when you preach the Word of God. Verse 19, it says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. Now, how bloody and how unconscious do you have to be for an entire crowd of people to think that you're actually all the way dead? You've got to be pretty jacked up, right? I mean, these people are good at stoning people. These people are good at beating people and killing people. It was the Middle East, you know, a couple thousand years ago. Stuff like this happened. They were very familiar with what beating somebody to death looked like. And so they beat Paul. They stoned him so bad that they drag his limp, lifeless body to the outskirts of the city and just dump him off. Wow, that's a bad spot to be in. And, you know, they, they thought he was dead. Maybe he was dead. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But he was in a bad spot. But look at this, verse 20. But as the believers gathered around him. Who thinks it's good to have believers gathered around you? Good job coming to church today because the believers are gathered around you. As they gathered around him, he got up and went back into the town. Who does that? You think that they get him up and he's like, oh, man, I am out of here. That is a rough bunch. He didn't run the other way. He gets up and walks right back into the town amongst the very people that just stoned him to death. And then the next day, the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby, which was their next stop on their ministry tour. But can you imagine the guts and the audacity that Paul had to get right back up and walk back in amongst those people? You, you imagine what they looked like. like him again? What's this nut doing? What, what's his problem? And the sad thing is the average Christian in 2021 You'll block someone and delete them because they didn't, they gave you a thumbs down on your whatever post that you put. I mean, come on. Come on. Oh, they're off my list, man. No way. I ain't talking to them no more. I heard that they did this and they said that. No way. You better get a little more backbone than that if you're not going to be a coward and a quitter. You better get, you better toughen up just a little bit if you can take some of the heat. If Paul could do that, surely we can stand up to some stuff that's coming our way. Now, I, I, I look at Second Corinthians chapter 11. Let, let's just look, because Paul was nice enough at one point to compile a list of the things that had happened to him since he became a preacher. You know, it's funny, nobody really gave him much trouble uh, when he wasn't a preacher, but then he becomes, a, you know, he was killing Christians, or at least being an accomplice to the killing of Christians, if you read the earlier parts of Acts. Nobody gave him any trouble then, but as soon as he quits killing people, as soon as he quits at least assisting in the killing of people, everyone's mad at him. And I've heard stories from some of you guys, right, and, and that, that back when you were living for the world, back when you were doing drugs and drinking and, and cussing and fighting, you know, your family didn't give you any beef. They're like, well, but as soon as you really dedicated to Christ, uh, being a Christian, they think you're crazy now. Well, I heard that he goes to that church twice a week. Man, I heard he gives 10% of his income to that church. I heard that he does, I heard that he, and, 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 and that somehow offends them, but when you were smoking and cussing and beating people up, they didn't care? Who's the weirdo here? Real, I mean, come on. And so, no doubt about it, when you start living for Jesus, it, it should rub some people the wrong way. But look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, 
Listen to what Paul said that has happened to him since he became a preacher and a Christian. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. And so that's 39 beatings with the whip. Why didn't they do 40? Well, the law of Moses said if you beat a prisoner more than 40 times, then the beater has to go to jail and be in prison and punished. So the Jews would only do 39 hits just to make sure that they did. Isn't that nice? Just 39, not 40. So they would stop one shy just to make sure they didn't go over the limit. Paul took that beating five different times. Yet he didn't quit what he was doing. Five times he took the beating of 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. I mean, one would be enough for me, but three times. Once I was stoned. We just read about that a minute ago. That was a bad situation. Three times I was shipwrecked. One time I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they are not. Did you read that list of things that Paul went through? Yet the man didn't quit. He reminds me of Rocky Balboa. Dummy's taking a beat. He's getting down, getting back up. I'm like, man, dummy, stay down. Notice this isn't your thing, right? But Paul kept getting back up. No, I'm going back into that city. There must be someone there that hasn't heard about Jesus yet. I can still see out of one eye. And he just keeps going back again and again and again. Paul was not a quitter. Now, I can tell you this much, though. When you're not a quitter, people that are quitters really rub you the wrong way. Let me say that again. When you're not a quitter, People that are quitters really irritate you and you don't want to be around them because that goes against everything within you. Now, let me, let's just tell another Bible story here, all right? So, Paul's first ministry partner was a man named Barnabas. He was there for the stoning in Acts chapter 14. And so, they get into ministry together. They're going from city to city, establishing new churches and spreading the gospel all over the empire right there. You know, I mean, all these different cities, Ephesus, Corinth, Philippi, uh, just all these Colossae, all these different cities. And so they did a big ministry tour. They're getting ready to go out for the next one. And Barnabas says, you know what? Why don't we take Mark with us? Uh, Mark, Mark's a good boy. I think he could be helped. And if you know who Mark is, they took Mark on their very first ministry trip. And it tells us in the book of Acts that early on in the trip, Mark got homesick. And Mark quit, and Mark went back home and left them on the road by themselves. Now, he was a young man, very young, probably 18, 20 years old or something, but he quit, and he left them. And then Barnabas says, hey, we're good. We're taking another trip. I'll go get Mark. And Paul says, no, I am not. You can read this. It's at the end of Acts chapter 15. Read it on your own time. But Paul says, we are not. He's a quitter. I'm not taking him with us again. You kidding me? And Barnabas says, no. 
We're going to give him a second chance. He's going with us. I want him to go. Paul and Barnabas got into such a disagreement on this that they split ways. Paul says, you know what? You just go do your thing. I'm going to go a different way. Paul selects another partner named Silas, and that's his new ministry partner. And Barnabas gets somebody else. But it all happened because Paul could not stand the thought of taking somebody with him that quit on him the first time. He couldn't stand quitters. And I mean, what? A, what? A, I mean, that's kind of a, a sad story. But the good news for quitters is this: you don't have to stay being a quitter. Because little Mark grew up, and Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark. Mark didn't stay a quitter. Mark moved to Alexandria, Egypt, and founded the church in Alexandria, the Church of Alexandria. And once again, the local people decided they didn't want Christianity in Egypt. They decided, we don't want any of that, that nonsense over here. The local people turned against the Christians, which we've seen time and time again throughout history and at the present moment, some of us aren't the most popular people in America, but, you know, whatever. And so the locals, the people, the community, they turn against the Christians. And Mark says, I'm not quitting this time. No way. He stands up for Jesus. And according to Christian tradition, they, they, they drug him through the city and killed him. And I'm not going to go into all the detail. But they killed him that way. And that's how Mark died. Mark died standing up for his faith. He was no longer a quitter. And in fact, one of the most beautiful, I don't know, one of the most beautiful scenes in the New Testament that we see is at the very end of Second Timothy. Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, uh, it's the, the very last words that we have from the Apostle Paul. He's like, guys, I'm going to be, I know that I'm dying soon. The time of my death is at hand. And one of the, one of the only people he asked for, in fact, Paul says, when I stood trial in court, nobody showed up to stand with me. I went to court alone, but God was with me. And he thanked God for that. But he said, I'm, I'm dying soon. Timothy, could you send Mark to come visit me? Could you send Mark? I want to see Mark. And I'm like, wait a minute. The guy that you split up your entire ministry over because he was a no-good quitter is the very guy that you wanted in your final days of life. And he ended up being a powerful Christian man whose effect is still felt in 2021. Listen, quitters are not, I'm just, you know, if you're a quitter, I'm sorry, but quitters are not good. But the good news is you don't have to stay a quitter. If you've developed that lifestyle of man, when the going gets tough, hey, I split. I ain't sick of it. If that's you, you don't have to stay that way. You can remain, and God can turn that around in you, and you don't have to be a quitter anymore, just like Mark didn't have to stay a quitter. And the third thing I'm saying is this, all right? We're just keeping it real today. Number one, do not be a coward. If you're going to split, split now. But if you're going to stand up for Jesus and stick with him, make that decision today and never turn back again, ever. Number two, don't be a quitter. Do not be a quitter. There's a price to pay for quitters. And number three, don't be unfaithful. Well, what's unfaithful? What? what, what uh, there's the same thing as being a quitter. No, I, I kind of see it this way. Um, there's someone that quits, right? Just for instance, if you're in a marriage, there's someone that's just like, I quit. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, I, you know, I quit. I'm done with you. And they split. But then there's also somebody in a marriage that they may not straight up quit, but they're unfaithful. They two time. One day they're with you. The next day they're with somebody else. 
One day they're, oh, man, I, I love you, you've got all my heart, and then the next day they're not. Now, that's awful, you know, and I'm not, you know, if someone's experienced that, I feel bad about that, you know, take it to Jesus, get forgiveness. But at the same time, there's people that do that to Jesus. They don't just quit, they don't straight up quit, but they are unfaithful. Man, I, I, will, sir, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. And I mean, you can't even follow them out of the parking lot. You, know, you follow them to the Del Taco drive-thru, then you go home, and then you're not following. What's going on here? We cannot be unfaithful in this day and age. Well, you can't afford it. It'll cost you dearly if we're unfaithful. I want to look back at Revelation 21.8. At the beginning of the sermon, I read it out of the New Living Translation. Now I want to read it out of the Living Bible because I like the way it words it here. Revelation 21 and verse 8. In the Living Bible, it says, But cowards who turn back from following me and those who are unfaithful to me. Those who are unfaithful to me. And the corrupt and murderers and the immoral and and those conversing with demons and idol worshippers and all liars, their doom is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. But right there, it tells us cowards and those who are unfaithful. That's not a good spot to be in. That'll cost us more than we ever dreamed it would cost us. And I realize this isn't just the big encouragement, the big boost for your week that, that you know, but we got to speak some truth right now because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free according to Jesus in John 8:32. You've got to have truth. You've got to have truth right now. And we found out especially in the United States that the state of a lot of things right now is honest to God because a lot of churches, a lot of preachers and pastors have only told people what they want to hear and they have not told them the truth. Honest to God. That, that's a lot of pastors. You know, my, my pastor, Kenneth Hagin Jr., when I was in college, he said, don't you dare get out there and keep feeding sugar taffy to a diabetic congregation. <laughs> Give those people what they need to hear. And honestly, there's been so many things that none of us want to talk about because we'll get stuff thrown at us. We'll get smeared. We'll get blasted if we dare touch some of these topics. But the state of a lot of things in America right now, honest to God, is because pastors and Christians were cowards and were sissies and wouldn't talk about it. And I don't go out looking for trouble. I I do not. I don't go looking for it. Praise God. But I, I'm well aware. I've read the scripture. Like I said the other day, I went ahead and just read the whole thing, cover to cover. Listen to me. I am well aware that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I had another pastor call me, and you're going you're gonna to keep your doors open. One of my friends just got a letter that said this and said that, that they're going to arrest you. I said, listen, I made up my mind nine months ago. I'm going to do what Jesus said to do. If that means I go to jail, then I go to jail. But I ain't closing this thing down. We're going to preach the word of God, no matter what anybody thinks. I don't need the governor's, <laughs> I don't need the governor's stamp of approval. I don't need the president's stamp of approval. I don't, listen, we're going to do what the word of God says. And I'm fully aware going into this thing. I'm fully aware in 2021, the potential risk of going out there and preaching, the potential risk of, of praying for people, praying for the sick, anointing people, showing up at hospitals. I, I am aware. I have weighed the risk and I am fully 
aware and uh and and i'm okay with it if i had to go to jail for jesus i would go to jail for jesus because jesus went to the cross for me i would do that and and uh and and again i mean i (laughs) we aren't backing down from what the word of god tells us to do and we don't care who it pleases we're not out there looking for trouble but I am aware that, uh, praise God, there's some people that don't like what we're doing, and that's all right, because Jesus likes what we're doing. Revelation chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Revelation 2, verses 10 and 11. This is my final spot today. Revelation 2, verses 10 and 11. Who's glad they came today? Who has made up their mind that they will not be a coward? That they will not be a quitter? I'm I'm too far into this. Like I've said before, if the very worst thing that you can do to me is kill me, you can't scare me with heaven. I'm excited about going there, right? I mean, if that's the very worst thing, that's the worst thing they can do to you. They can't send you to hell. But we do get to go to heaven someday. Revelation 2, and we're looking at verses 10 and 11. Now, if you read the beginning of Revelation, in fact, it's it's ironic that uh, the Apostle John, he was the oldest uh, he, was the, he was the only of the 12 disciples that died of natural causes. The other 11, they were murdered or martyred somewhere along the way. John lived into his 90s, which especially back then is a very old age. He was a very healthy man. He took his vitamin C and zinc every day, and he was very, very healthy, right? But so they, they can't shut him up. He's still preaching. He's still writing letters. And so finally, like, you know what? Just put him in isolation. They put him on this island called Patmos. Like, he can't bother anybody out there. And the Lord gives him this vision. And now we know it as the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible. And, and in the beginning of the book of Revelation, the Lord uh, gives John uh, seven different messages, seven letters for seven different churches of what was Asia Minor at the time. One of those churches was in a city called Ephesus. Now, as I read these different seven different letters, I'm reading the one out of Ephesus right here. It was specifically to that church, but there is truth and there is power that applies to every single one of us today. These letters weren't only for that church. It applies for all Christians of all time. But Revelation 2, verses 10 and 11, we're talking about not being unfaithful. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you, okay? You will suffer for ten days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. If you remain faithful. If you remain faithful. If you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. I read that and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I've got ears to hear. I'm listening to what you're saying, Lord, that if I remain faithful even to death, even until the very end of this thing, if I remain faithful, faithful, I will get the crown of life. Now, the book of Revelation talks about different crowns that we get when we get to heaven. Not everybody gets these crowns, only people that have done what God told them to do out here. But this is one of those crowns. I want to get to heaven and I want Jesus to judge me and say, 
Here's the crown of life. You remain faithful even when it got super hard down there. And you know what I'm going to do with that crown? I'm not going to put it on my head and strut around heaven and say, hey, look at this. Come on. Take a selfie. No, I'm not up there to get that crown for me. When I show up at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the great feast at the very end, I'm not showing up to the party empty-handed. I'm showing up to Jesus, and I want some crowns and some awards that I've received, and I want to lay those down at the feet of Jesus and say, this was for you. I stuck with it for you, Jesus. And now I've got you gave me so much in that world, in that life, I've got something to give you. I want to lay my crowns at the feet of Jesus. I want to bow down, and I want to worship him. And that is not going to happen if I'm a coward. That is not going to happen if somebody says, oh, so you're, you're one of those Christians, huh? You're one of those that refuse. And, and, and if you say, well, not really. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. That's a pri-. If that's you, that's a coward and that's a quitter and that's an unfaithful person. Don't be that. Stand up for Jesus. Set your face as a stone determined to do his will and you will not be disgraced. You will not be put to shame. You will not regret sticking with Jesus until the very end. It may cost you some friends right now. It could cost you some money right now. It could cost you some comfort right now. But if you'll stand up for Jesus, you ain't going to regret it when you're in heaven worshiping Jesus, when you're in that mansion, when you're dancing down streets of gold, when you're taking fruit from the tree of life right by the river of life, you won't regret your decision to stand up for Jesus. Now, if you're willing to stand up for Jesus, why don't we do it right now? Stand up with me this morning. Amen. And I'm asking everybody to stand up together. Praise God. Who's glad they came to church today? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.